number one, and let's begin reading in verse number five tonight. The Bible says, There was in the days of Herod the king of Judah, Judea a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were well now stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall neither drink wine, shall neither drink wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and to the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. And when the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple, when he came out he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto him and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed into his own house. And after those days, Elizabeth, his wife, conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. The book of Luke opens up in the first four verses where Luke is writing this gospel to a particular man named Theopolis. He will also do that with the book of Acts. We preached on that earlier this year. Warren Wiersbe said that Theophilus, his name means a lover of God. He was most likely a Roman official who had trusted in Christ and now needed to be established in the faith. There was already much material written about the Lord Jesus. You know, you see these books, uh, the, the book of Judas, the book of Maccabees. You'll see these things online uh, about different books. What are those? Well, those are books that were written during the time of Christ, but they are not inspired scriptures. They might have some historical facts in them that are correct, but some of them speak about uh, Jesus as a boy, uh, killing birds and then resurrecting them from the dead. We do not have that account in the Scripture. Thus, I reject those remarks as fallacies of men that were trying to corrupt the authenticity and the deity of Jesus Christ. That was Luke's perspective when he wrote this book. He said, I want to set these things in order. Then verse number 4, Thou mightest know certainly of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Here's what Luke is saying 
to Theophilus, I want you to know the real account of the story of Jesus. I don't know about you tonight, but I love the story of Jesus. The songwriter said, tell me the story of Jesus right on my heart every word. I love to tell the story Twill be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I'm afraid that many times in our churches, many times in our lives, uh, we preach on everybody and we preach on everything, but we don't preach on Jesus enough. We don't magnify Jesus enough. I want to remind you tonight, this is a hymn book, H-I-M. It's all about him, amen. And so we cannot preach on the life of Jesus, and we know we're getting into the Christmas season and all that, so we really can't preach on the life of Jesus Christ without dealing with this text first about the forerunner of Jesus Christ and that being John the Baptist himself and in the 20 verses that we have read tonight this is the account of the birth announcement of John the Baptist and I want to take these verses and I'm interested in verse 25 where Elizabeth said thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days where he looked wherein he looked on me watch this phrase to take away my reproach from men. That word reproach, it means shame. We will magnify this further in the text, but Elizabeth is barren. She's well stricken in years. We know what that means to those Jewish women. We know what that means to a mother now, a lady now, who is not able to bear children, how that weighs on her heart. It is not her fault. It is nothing she's done wrong, but there is shame in her heart. But watch what that angel said about John in verse 13. Thou shalt come Call his name John, verse 14. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. I want to preach on this thought tonight from reproach to rejoicing, or from shame to shouting, or from pain to praise. That is what's happening in Zacharias and Elizabeth's life. God is taking a very painful situation. God is taking a very shameful situation. God is taking something uh, that hurts on the inside, and he is turning it around for his honor and for his glory. Let's consider these verses tonight and make application to our lives. First of all, verses 5 through 10, very simple tonight. I want to look at the parents of John the Baptist. The parents of John the Baptist. I believe that we would do well uh, to look at Zacharias and Elizabeth's life because I believe there are good examples of the kind of parents uh, that we need to be. Notice, first of all, verse 5 and 6, their description. The Bible said, there in the days of Herod, king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Watch now. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord blameless. We notice, first of all, they were righteous. The Bible teaches us that his name is Zacharias. His name means remembered of Jehovah. And Elizabeth, her name means the promise of God. If you 
put their names together, it means that God remembers His promises. Amen. Aren't you glad God's not a liar tonight? He don't tell stories. He don't make mistakes. He don't tell fibs. He don't say, well, oops, I don't remember saying that. I don't remember making that commitment. I don't remember making that promise. But He is the God that remembers His promise. He didn't forget Noah in Genesis chapter 8. He won't forget you and I in the day and age that we're living in. They were righteous. This little word, righteous here, is not self-righteousness. It is not something they'd done on their own. Uh, but by faith, they believed God. Uh, they were walking in the light that they had. By the way, I am not righteous tonight uh, because of my self-righteousness or because what I have done. But the righteous I have on me tonight was imputed unto me by Jesus Christ. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made of the righteousness of God in him. I didn't have any righteousness to offer God. Oh, but he took his righteousness and he imputed it to my account and he took my sin off my account and he laid it on. Tell me that story of Jesus again. He laid it on his son's account and now the debt was settled long ago. Thank God an old account was settled 177 or 76 in the red book. There was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing for sins yet unforgive. My name was at the top and many things below but I went unto the keeper and I settled it long ago. Thank God I am righteous tonight not because of who I am but because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. Their description, they were righteous. But watch on in the text. Later on, verse number 6, walking and in all the commandments of the Lord, blameless. They were not only righteous, they were real. It wasn't just something they'd done at church. It wasn't just something they put on at the house of God. But we see a lot of that in this day and age, don't we? We see a lot of hypocrisy. God ain't never liked hypocrisy. God ain't never cared for that. But these people, they were walking according to the commandments of the Word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, the psalmist said. So their description in verse number 6. Notice their deficiency, verse 7. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well now stricken in years. I've emphasized this, but I want to say it again for us to understand the brevity of the text. They were not able to have children. You know, couples in there, that, that, couples that I believe have a heart that is right, and they get married, they ain't got to have them immediately. It, some people wait several years, some people have them right off. It, there's no right way, there's no wrong way, okay? It's that individual couple's decision. But there ought to be something in every married couple that wants to have children. But sadly, this generation is bothered by children. They're bothered, you know why? Because they don't want to take responsibility. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to do when you get old? And all your friends, their kids are coming over to see them, and they don't have time to spend with you. What are you going to do around Christmas time when it's just you and her around the house? I'm telling you, there's something to be said about having children. And they want that, but they have a physical impossibility. We don't know if it's on Zacharias's part. It is more indicated that it's Elizabeth, because the Bible said that she was barren. Can you imagine how that made her feel? Feeling that she cannot even give a child to her husband. And I'll say this tonight, just because you serve God like Zacharias and Elizabeth was, doesn't mean you're going to have everything you want in life. No doubt they wanted a child. 
why would the text indicate that she was barren if they didn't want a child? Sometimes serving God, you, it ain't name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. You're not going to have everything you want. Sometimes in life, oh, you're going to be serving God and doing right, and you're not going to have what you want. Their description, their deficiency. But I love their dedication. Verse 8, 9, and 10. It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office for God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. Now watch this now. They're serving God. And God ain't giving them what they wanted. But they're just going to still serve God. They did not quit serving God. They did not quit being faithful when life didn't go. It's almost like a rerun from Sunday morning. But when life didn't go like they wanted to, they did not quit serving God. You know what Zacharias did when it was his time to burn incense? He went down to the temple. He put on those priestly garments. And he said, you know what? Our life has not turned out like I thought it would. It's not went like I wanted it to do. But I've got a job. I'm going out there to the house of God. And I'm going to be faithful to do what God has told me to do. Thank God for their dedication. And I believe God looked over the banister of heaven and he saw the faithfulness of this couple and he saw how much they had suffered and he said, I need a forerunner for my son. I need some wild preacher to come out of the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey, having the kiss of heaven on his soul. I'm going to need somebody to baptize my son. I'm going to need somebody to introduce my son to the world. You know what? I like that couple. They're just faithful. Things ain't going like they want it to go. Uh, things ain't going like they thought it would go. Uh, but they're still serving God. And they're still faithful. And they've not quit. I think I'm going to choose them. The parents of John the Baptist. Secondly, I would emphasize the prophecy of John the Baptist. Look at verse number 11 through verse 14. Why he's doing his office there in the tabernacle at the temple. There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel of the Lord said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. I notice in this prophecy there is the appearance, verse 11 and 12, this angel of the Lord. He will identify himself later in verse 19 as Gabriel, God's messenger angel. He identifies himself. He makes an appearance. Zacharias is just faithfully doing his job, serving in this place. But watch this. Watch what Zacharias did when he saw that angel. Verse 12. He was troubled. Fear fell upon him. You better watch that crowd says they've seen angels and had conversations with them. You know that crowd on TV, I saw a vision, I saw an angel. Well, as far as I can tell, everybody in that Bible that ever saw an angel or had a vision of God, they wouldn't stand there nonchalantly having a conversation. They were scared out of their mind. Jesus himself walked into the upper room uh, after his resurrection. He didn't use the door, he just walked right through the wall, and it scared them to death. All these people, I want to see a vision. <laughs> I wish God would let you see a vision so it would scare the devil out of you. Ain't nobody like, oh, hey, what's up? You remember that witch of Endor? I mean, if anybody should be familiar with spooky things, it ought to be a witch. She didn't conjure up Samuel there in that text, but God allowed Samuel to be brought up. You know what the Bible said? She fled. <laughs> scare her. It, I tell you, if a vision will scare a witch, 
Them jokers on TBN don't stand a chance. Somebody help me. So don't, don't believe that crowd. They're a bunch of liars. They're just after your wallet and your wife anyway. The, plot, the appearance in verse 11 and 12. Notice the assurance, verse 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Now, there's, there's a personal comfort in that phrase, and we'll look at that. But there's a national comfort in that phrase. You know why? God ain't said nothing through anybody in 400 years. Since the prophet Malachi, God has not had anything to say through his prophets, through an angel, through a messenger, or through himself. But the first thing God says in 400 years that he commissions Gabriel to say is, Fear not, thy prayer is heard. In other words, Zacharias, I know you've been praying about something. And I know it's been heavy on your heart. Apparently, Zacharias has been praying for a child. Apparently, are y'all getting a hold of this? Zacharias had a burden. He wanted the little, he wanted the child. He wanted the little boy. He wanted a little girl. He wanted God to bless his home. And the first words God sent out of heaven in 400 years is fear not. Thy prayer has been heard. Oh, thank God. Aren't you glad that God still hears our prayers? We may not recognize it. We might not even know it. But God hears prayers. We don't even think he hears. In the book of Daniel, Daniel prays. And for 21 days, he hears nada, zilch, nothing. But the angel of the Lord appeared and said, Zachary, Daniel, I want you to know, oh, your prayer was heard on the first day. Oh, but the prince of darkness stood and tried to hinder me. Oh, but we overcame him. But here's the application of that. Amen. The prayer was not hindered getting to the throne. The prayer was not hindered getting to the ear of God. Well, preacher, I just don't feel like my prayer's getting off the carpet. Who said it needed to? He leaves, he, the Lord Jesus and His Spirit lives in you. Your prayer ain't got to go above the carpet. Well, preacher, I just don't have enough faith to pray. You ever read Mark 4 in the storm? Here's their prayer, the disciples. Carest thou not that we perish? Can anybody show me faith in that verse? But it woke Jesus up. So quit saying you ain't got enough faith to pray. If you cry, He will be attentive to your prayer. Notice the appearance, the assurance. Notice the announcement. Now, verse 13, And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, thou shalt call his name John. John's name means Jehovah shows favor, or God has been gracious. 400 years, no word from God, but he gets a fair knot. And God's still good, and God's still gracious. You may feel like you ain't heard from God in a while. You may feel like you don't know if God's heard your prayer, but I want to remind you tonight, fear not. God's still gracious. God's still good. God's still faithful. He's still on the throne. He has not changed. Fear not, he says. Then notice, not only the parents of John the Baptist and the prophecy of John the Baptist, but then I would emphasize... Number three, the purpose of John the Baptist. Verses 15, 16, and 17. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. Shall neither 
drink wine or strong drink, he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wicked or to the wisdom of the just to make a ready people prepared for the Lord. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's that dyslexia kicking in, Charles. What was the purpose of John the Baptist? Well, look on in verse 15. He was to be separated. Verse 15. For he shall be great inside the Lord and shall neither, drink, neither wine, drink wine nor strong drink. Now watch this now. Elizabeth has not even yet conceived John. And the angel's already telling him how he ought to be raised. That means... That means, and, and most, most of the young couples here tonight, or all the young couples tonight, we've already had children and been through that, but it's never too early to start praying about how God wants you to raise your children. It's never too early to go ahead and start putting things in line. That's the application. It's never too early. Hey, I, I know our, our mind are little, but it's not too early to let them know that alcohol is a sin. It's not too early to let them know, oh, that wickedness is wrong. There's certain things we don't go, certain places, certain things we don't watch, certain things we don't participate in. It's never too early to start that. John's not even been conceived yet and the angel's already telling him, you make sure he don't drink. Make sure he's separated. The hallmarks of John's life from his conception to his execution would be that of personal holiness, moral authority, and spiritual power. God had a special plan for John's life and he didn't want Zacharias and Elizabeth to mess it up. Sometimes our prayer as parents need to be, God, please don't let me mess this up. God, don't let me mess up what you want to do with my children. Children are an heritage of the Lord. They are a gift from God. He was to be separated. Look at verse 15. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, fellas. That one baffles me. He's filled with the Holy Ghost. From his mother's womb. Not even saved yet. And I, but I believe the Bible. And I believe what it says. I do believe that John had to make a personal choice. He did. But God had him hemmed in. And I ain't no Calvinist. Y'all know me. But I mean, it looks pretty clear out there. From his mother's womb. He's when we filled with the Holy Ghost. In fact, that whole family was spirit filled. Luke 1, Luke 1, 67, Zacharias filled the Holy Ghost. Luke 1, 41, Elizabeth filled the Holy Ghost. Luke 1, 15, John's filled the Holy Ghost. I'm not a Calvinist. Y'all know me. I've been preaching 11 years. I can't figure this out. But I believe it. You know, sometimes you just got to take that book and believe for what it says. <laughs> the deep things belongeth unto God. See, I like that verse I threw in there, but I don't know what to say. But I believe it. I'm not going to explain it away. I'm not going to say, well, I think it's a mistake. Well, Jeremiah was called from his mother's womb in Jeremiah 1. I believe that speaks of God having his hand on, on John's life and on Jeremiah's life from the day they was born. David talks about that when he was in his mother's womb in Psalm 139. No, John was not born saved. But I'll tell you what John was born with. He was born with the hand of God on his life. And he'd have to run the opposite direction if he's going to get away from God. May God help us to raise our children in such an environment 
They're going to have to run hard in another direction to get away from the Word of God, get away from the house of God, and get away from the Spirit of God. May God help us. Amen. Don't give them a choice. Do you want to go to church or do you want to go to the ball game? Make the choices for them while they can. Start at an early age. Verse 16. He was not only to be separated, spirit-filled, he was to be a spokesman. Many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He said, you know what I'm going to do with John's life? He said, I'm going to use him to cause many to turn to the God. Ain't it amazing, Brother Clayton, that he uses that little phrase, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God? Turn. That is a physical definition of John's message, repent. So right at John's, writing before John's conception, God's already given him a sermon to preach. Repent. 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 He was to be a spokesman. Y'all right on that John being filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb? I believe it. I can't explain it. I believe John had to get saved. I believe John had to make a choice. But I believe God had his hand on John. That's the best way I can explain it. If you don't, and by the way, if you want some more light on that, you see Brother Tony after church, he'll really explain it to you, all right? Look at verse 17. He was also to be a servant. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people, to make a ready people prepared for the Lord. Now don't miss this in verse 17. Did you realize Jesus is in verse 17? If we're not careful, we'll read over him. Look at verse 17. And he shall go before him. Him. The angel hadn't even showed up to Mary yet. But Gabriel's already saying, John's going to go before him. This angel is quoting from Malachi 3 and Malachi 4, speaking of the messenger that shall prepare the way of the Lord. John would have the powerful spirit of Elijah upon him. John would have a special touch for a special purpose. In fact, in John 1, 29, those men asked who John was. And John said, I am not he, but I am the voice of him crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And one day John is preaching that message, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. There's one a coming. And then one day he looked up and said, there he is. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. But what was it? He was just a servant doing what he was sent to do. The parents of John the Baptist, the prophecy of John the Baptist, the purpose of John the Baptist, and last of all, verse 18 through 25, the proof of John the Baptist. Notice the doubt. Look at verse 18 and 19. And Zechariah said to the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. The angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And I'm sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. Don't be too critical of Zacharias. He feels like Abraham and Sarah did when God said they going to have Isaac. Lord, there ain't no way we can. And by the way, when you start basing on what you can do, you're going to have doubt because you can't and I can't. We are not able. We are not capable of doing what needs to be done in with of ourselves. The doubt in verse 18 and 19. But then notice the dumbness, verses 20 through 23. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not 
my words which shall be fulfilled in their seasons. And when he came, uh, in verse 21, and when the people, when the people waited for Zacharias and marveled, he had tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto, him, unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the day's administration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. Gabriel says, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. You're not going to speak until he gets here. By the way, any of you men that's been married to a lady that's been expecting a child, it's probably wise for you not to speak for nine months. Somebody say amen right there. Oh, and that was your shot, man. <laughs> All right. You get to talk in a month, okay? <laughs> he said, uh, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. You're not going to be allowed to talk for, until that baby gets here. Now, here's what's crazy. All those people are out there waiting on Zacharias to get done making a sacrifice. It shouldn't be taking this long. When he comes out, according to that Jewish and Mosaic law, he is to come out and lead the congregation in Psalms. He comes out, and he has what? He, he can't talk. And he's motioning. You know what they do? Good Baptists. What is it, Zacharias? Well, I ain't standing around for this. Let's go home. <laughs> they, just walked, they left him there. That's literally what they did. They got tired of waiting. They just left. Good Baptists. You better be careful asking God to show you a sign when you got a scripture. He might give you one that you don't like. There is the... There is the the doubt, the dumbness, but then there is the dealing. Verse 24 and 25. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach from among men. That little phrase, hath dealt with me. You know what that means? You look it up, it means God did this. God did this. Can you imagine, and I'm done, I'm at 29 minutes. Can you imagine Zacharias coming home and trying to explain to Elizabeth why he can't talk. Trying, she ain't heard from Gabriel. She's not heard from the angel. It reminds me of Brother Brian McBride had that surgery on his voice and they didn't let him talk for several weeks. And so he had to, you know, ride on a, a dry erase board. And he said he had a preacher friend of his that had that same surgery and couldn't talk. And so that preacher carried around a dry erase board and he went to a store to conduct some business and wrote on the board, um, I've had throat surgery, I cannot speak and held the sign up. The lady behind the counter took the board from a race that wrote back and said, well, how can I help you? He erased and wrote back, I can't talk, but I'm not deaf. <laughs> He's trying to explain what's going on. And I believe somehow Elizabeth caught on to what God was doing. And here's what Elizabeth said, the Lord has done this. He looked on me. He took away my reproach from among men. You know what she's saying? God took my reproach. God took that shame. God took that thing that was weighing heavy on my heart. And he turned it around to where I can rejoice. Are you carrying something tonight that's been a reproach to you? A shame? You're ashamed of something you did, something you've, something you've done, something that's happened in your life, maybe something you've had no control over in your life. I'm so glad God can turn it around.